What's up, y'all? Welcome to Not Your Average Christian. It's currently 11.30 p.m., the night before I'm going to post a new podcast, and I'm your host, Christian Rutherford. Episode number three, we are making some moves. I'm super stoked by all the feedback that I've gotten so far in this process, and I appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to listen. This week has been insane uh, just with the amount of feedback that I've gotten and then just trying to get everything organized for future podcasts. I've got a couple other interviews that are lined up, had one that I wanted to do this week, It ended up falling through, so I had this one on the back end, and I was like, you know what? Let's put this up. I'm excited about our topic today um, because it's something that, you know, it's a little under my skin, but we're going to get to it. But anyways, I I just want you to know that I appreciate every single one of you for listening into this podcast so far, and I would love to know what you have loved or hated about the podcast so far, but you know, hate that's a hurtful word. We don't like that word. It makes us feel gross. So let's take it back, go to middle school youth group, and let's call it a rose and a thorn. And if you feel so inclined, I would love for you to DM me on Instagram. That's not your average, not your average Christian podcast. I can talk we'll figure it out. Again, it's not your average Christian podcast on Instagram. DM me on there and tell me your rose and your thorn of these first three episodes because I would just love to get your feedback and know how I can help myself to learn what I can do better to make your listening experience more enjoyable. One thing I have taken away so far, uh, I know the audio quality of episode two with John was kind of eh, but honestly, that was my first long distance interview uh, because he lives up in Virginia and we definitely learned some things from that episode, but I really thought that the overall content was pretty good. The sound quality wasn't trash. It wasn't absolutely terrible. Um, And so I'm glad that uh, many of you guys bared with me through that. And I am looking for ways to continue to make all of this better. Uh, So thank you for going on this journey with me so far. One thing that I definitely need to do is I have to show some major love to those of you who have shouted me out on Instagram and have told your friends about this, who have taken the time to subscribe and follow on your preferred streaming platform. Honestly, like your love, your support, it means the world to me. And Listen, if you're not a nerd like me and you're still moving along with mainstream society by using the crowd favorite, the iPhone, can you do me a favor? Even if you prefer to listen on Spotify or another streaming app, can you please go into iTunes and subscribe and rate this podcast, leave a beautiful review about how excellent my voice is or how real I am or whatever it is that you want to say. It's up to you or trash me, I don't care, whatever. But if I'm just being completely honest with you guys, Apple's branding power and their algorithms for pushing podcasts to listeners 
also influences other streaming platforms and the more rates, subscriptions, and listens that I have there, the more people are going to be directed to this podcast and the more people can find out about our unaveraged Christian community that we are building. And I'm super excited about that. And I hope you're excited about that too. So please help me out with that. Go to iTunes, rate, comment, all that good stuff. I also want to announce some super exciting news that starting today, you can now officially support the show by going to anchor.fm forward slash not your average Christian and clicking on support. You can choose to support the show in monthly increments of 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99. Any amount that you feel led to give will go towards helping me to bring you better content at a higher quality. In all honesty, I'm running the show on free trial-based subscriptions of Adobe Audition, and I am running out of email addresses to use. Just being real. Now, if you do decide to become a supporter of the show, then you are going to get access to another big announcement. That's right, two big announcements, one podcast. And that second big announcement is the Unaveraged Christian Club. As a part of the Unaveraged Christian Club, you get to keep the conversation rolling by joining the official community of the Not Your Average Christian podcast in our private Facebook group. This is a place where you can come to ask questions, you can insert your opinions about previous episodes, you can talk about your personal struggles, or you can even share a stupid meme about me and make fun of me. That's cool. That's what my kids my youth group do, so you guys might as well do it too. But you can also do like productive things like uh, make suggestions for topics in upcoming episodes. Maybe you yourself would like to join in on the conversation uh, and you've got something you would like to talk about on the podcast. Uh, whatever the case is, the cool part about this group is that we're going to be just a bunch of unaveraged misfit Christians or, you know, even those of you who are still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing. This is your community, too, because what we are going to be trying to do is just build this community together to do life with one another and support each other as we're trying to, you know, go through life and figure things out. And listen, because you guys are all early listeners to the show. I mean, we're only on episode three and I'm announcing things like this. So I want to do something for you guys because you guys have shown me so much love. So I need to show you some love back. So from now until February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, you know, National Day of Love, if you guys will send me a message on Instagram saying that you want to join the club, then I will invite you in absolutely free forever with no strings attached. But if you could still consider becoming a supporter, remember, you can do it for 99 cents, $4.99, or even $9.99 a month, however much you want to do to support the show. Uh, Because listen, I am a poor youth pastor with a spoiled toddler and a princess of a wife. So if I want to make high quality podcasts, I'm going to need some help from you guys too. So I'm hoping that I can be really honest with you guys in this episode. And I mean like really honest. I am so tired of overly religious, pretentious, overly political, self-seeking in the name of God, racist, although they claim not to be hypocritical Christians. And if you just got offended by that, I want you to hit that rewind 15 seconds button and listen to that again, because honestly, you're part of the problem. Okay, I'm coming on a little harsh here, but seriously, 
The reason that so many people walk away from Christianity or want nothing to do with it is because of people like this. But the problem is that these, quote, Christians often say that they're backing their actions with scripture. And that just drives me nuts. They act as if they can judge other people because of their convictions and that everyone should bow down to their belief system. And there it is. There's the problem right there. Belief system, religion, rules, regulations, etc. This is why Christians are so judgmental. It's because they've created a religion that's focused on behavior modifications and religious practices over seeking a relationship with Jesus. But the funny part about all of this is that Christians are specifically called and taught not to judge people. Like that's from Jesus. In the very beginning of Matthew chapter 7, it tells them, stop judging. Don't judge. You can't even see the speck in your brother's eye because you have a log in your own. But here we are. We're judging. And these Christians, they say things like, well, I hate the sin, but I love the sinner. Give me a break. That is honestly the most judgmental thing that you could say. That's the literal equivalent of the Southern insult of, well, just bless your little heart, a.k.a. you're a moron. We've all heard this before. We we know this little term that, that people use. The whole, well, I hate the sin, but love the sinner. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I am completely guilty of saying this myself. Because in theory, it seems to make sense. Like if you've been brought up in church culture, it seems to make sense. Like we, as Christians, we shouldn't like sin. It's okay to hate sin because, you know, it's sin. It keeps us away from God. But as I've kind of started studying scripture more and more, not kind of, like I have, um, working on my master of divinity right now, I'm really in-depth studying scripture. Um, But through this process, God's revealed to me where my heart really was in saying this phrase, because what I'm really doing in this situation is I'm looking at the person for their sin and not them as a created image bearer of God. Like this is one of God's children. It is the creation of God. But what I'm looking at When I'm saying, well, I hate the sin, but I love the sinner, even though I'm saying that all day long, and in theory, that seems like a good idea, what I'm doing is I'm equating that person to their sin. Well, if I do that to them, then I have to do that to myself. And what I'm ultimately doing is I'm looking at them as if their sin defines who they are, as if that's who God sees them to be. But God doesn't see a murderer or a drug dealer, a prostitute, a liar, a thief, an adulterer, or even a homosexual. I'm sorry for you hyper-evangelical Christians, but what God sees are his children, and he loves them, just like he loves your hate-filled self. Can you tell that I'm a little bit tired of people being judgmental? See, the thing is, is that we are all screwed up in some way or another, and we all know it. But 
the thing is, is most of us can't even stand ourselves. Anxiety and depression are at an all-time high because of our need to be a certain kind of happy and live up to all of these societal pressures that are placed on us constantly. We don't need someone to tell us how screwed up we are. We don't need you to list off all the reasons that we suck. We know we suck. What we want, what people need, is peace. And here's the mind-boggling part for me. Me and my fellow Christians, we have the answer to that peace that we are seeking, but we suck too, and most of us don't even understand it. There are so many Christians who really don't get it. They don't understand the relationship aspect. They don't understand peace with God. They just understand do's and don'ts. So here is what Jesus has to say about hyper-religious, judgmental Christians, because this is what he actually said to the hyper-religious, judgmental Jews of his day. But before I get into this, I realize that I seem to be a bit judgmental towards these Christians myself, and maybe I am, and God forgive me for it. But here's the difference. Christians get one free pass when it comes to judgment, and that's with each other. Now, we are supposed to do this from a place of love, which I'm also doing because I love what the church is supposed to be, and I love people who are outside the church, and I want to help both the hyper-religious, already-turned-this-podcast-off Christian and the non-believer to understand that God loves them deeply and desires to know them intimately. Okay, so here's the scene. Jesus has already gotten a crowd following, and since the crowd has gotten so big, he decides to go up on the mountain to teach them. This teaching has become known as his famous Sermon on the Mount. He goes off on a ton of stuff here, goes through a bunch of these different passages, and he gives some really great life lessons to pull from this whole thing. But I'm just going to pull a small segment of this. If you want, you can pick up in Matthew chapter 5, that's where it starts, but today, I want to share with you what used to be my most feared piece of scripture. I used to absolutely shudder just reading this passage because I couldn't stand the thought of its implications. But now, strangely to some, I find a pureness of peace and freedom in this passage. And I hope that I can share that with you and you can understand that peace as well. This is in Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 15. These are Jesus's words. He says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Okay, so stopping right there for a second, this is real simple. Real Christians are known by their actions, is what Jesus is saying here. The bad ones, they look and they act like these peaceful little sheep. And, you know, they come across like, oh, I'm so nice. I'm this great Christian. I'm this perfect person. 
But what eventually comes out is their true ways of being this ravenous wolf looking for an opportunity to judge, to hate, and control anything that is not like them or the way that they want things. But real Christians are people that, well, they own up to their mistakes. They're honest about their imperfections, and they love people without judgment just as Jesus would love people. Now, this isn't the scary part yet, even though it says that every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown to the fire. So for those of you who are on the really judgmental side, who think you've got things figured out, but you don't, that's a pretty scary passage. But this this next part, this is the part that always scared me, okay? And this is what it says. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I used to sit there and read that passage and I'm like, okay, I am a pastor. I'm doing things for God all the time. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, when it comes to the time when I am going to be standing in front of Jesus on judgment day and he's going to be telling me whether, you know, I guess I did good enough or not. No, see, that's that's the problem already. We're, we're going back to that, did you do good enough or not thing? And that's what this passage right here is actually about. See, there's these religious people in this passage. They're the ones knocking on the door saying, hey, did I not do this for you, God? Did I not do this for you and this? You know, specifically here, it says things like prophesy and cast out demons and do mighty works. In our modern church culture, it's like, hey, did, yo, Jesus, did I not go to church every Sunday? Did I not tithe every Sunday? Did I not act like this great person? Did I not speak out against things that you were, you just don't stand for, God? Did I not just rightly just tell everybody my opinions about, about who you are and how you are supposed to be and all this kind of stuff? And then what Jesus ultimately does in this passage, he looks at them and they, he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness, which is going to be just ludicrous to these people because they're sitting there going, lawlessness? What do you mean I'm a worker of lawlessness? I, I have followed your law. I have kept it up. I have followed all your rules and regulations and all this stuff. And Jesus is going to look at them and he's going to say, no, you missed the entire point. You missed everything that I'm saying. The best part about this whole passage right here is when he looks at these people who are claiming to do all of these things for God, who are so certain that they are going into heaven because of the things that they have done, okay? And that's the key there. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that you can do to make yourself worthy of God. Because if God is perfect, then God can't be around evil. That just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. It's just like you cannot put light and darkness together. If I'm 
like, if I'm real with you guys, I'm currently recording this episode in my wife's closet because I don't want to be too loud and wake everybody in the house up as I'm recording this. But let's say in this room, I turn off all the lights, okay? Well, the moment that I light a match or turn on a flashlight, well, it's not dark in this room anymore. The darkness can't overcome that light. There's no possible way for the darkness of this room to completely take over the light. The light always pierces through the darkness, okay? So with that being said, if you want to equate something here, us, well, we are kind of on that evil side. We know that we've got problems. We know that we're messed up. We know uh, that we have these issues that we can't seem to overcome, yada, yada, yada. We're on the darkness side. God being this perfect, all-powerful being, well, he is the light. Darkness and light can't exist together. It doesn't work. We've already discussed that. So what happens here is that we need something or someone to be that once and for all, that final sacrifice, that thing that can connect us back to God. Because on our own, well, we're not going to choose it like by any means. We're going to consistently fall into the world especially when the religious group that is sitting there telling us like, hey, you should believe in Jesus. They're still consistently throwing all these rules and regulations and all this kind of stuff at us that we need to live by. But what Jesus is saying, he's like, look, what I want from you is I want to know you. You sit here and you tell me all of these things that you've done, all of these great and mighty works that you've done in my name. That's great. That's fine. My name is powerful. I know that. That's what Jesus is saying to them. But what I needed from you was I needed to know you. I needed to have a relationship with you. That's why I went onto the cross. Not so that you yourself became perfect, not so that you yourself did these works for me, but because you wanted a relationship with me. Or more like Jesus wanted a relationship with us. And that is such a cool thing that the God, the creator of this universe, the all-powerful being, he wants a personal and real intimate relationship with each and every one of us. Some of these things that we get so caught up in and so worked up about uh, as far as like our behavior goes and as far as our sin goes, I'm not sitting here saying that like sin is okay. I'm not saying that we should just do whatever we want. But what I am saying is that our primary focus, our number one thing needs to be this relationship aspect with a real loving God who wants and desires a relationship with us more than anything. But what we've done, like I've said, is we've created this system of rules, this system of beliefs, if you will, but all it is, is it's just more religious rigor that's getting in the way of a true relationship with Christ. Now, there is so much freedom in looking at this verse in that way, instead of looking at it like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to be good enough? Am, am I, do I, do I know God enough? Okay. We have to think of it as in like, we know God, like we've, established and we've started and we are working on a relationship with him. Because if we look at it this way, when we say to him, Lord, Lord, I know you, 
I haven't gotten things right. Um, I haven't always prophesied in your name. I haven't always cast out demons in your name. I haven't done all these mighty works in your name. In fact, I screwed up a lot of stuff. But the one thing that I did do was I chased and I pursued a relationship with you, even in the midst of all of my screwed upness. And this is what he will say. He will say, hey, I knew you. You messed up a lot, but that's all right because you knew me. I love you. Welcome in. Welcome to perfection. Now I want to fully heal you. I want to give you peace. I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy that you just like can't even understand. It it surpasses your understanding. That's what Jesus wants. And I really hope that you are starting to understand what this freedom and this peace looks like. I hope that you're starting to see past what you thought you understood Christianity to be about. Unfortunately, thinking like this seems to be the unaverage thing to do in the Christian world. Because if this is what the average church displayed, then they probably wouldn't be having problems with people leaving. Uh, They probably wouldn't have problems with people coming to church to find out more. They would probably have a lot more people who wanted to know more about Jesus. And that's why this unaveraged Christian community is working on building just that. And it's my prayer that we could begin to seek and understand what knowing God is actually like. So I hope that you would continue on this journey with me as we try to discover more about what this relationship thing looks like. You know, what can we do to, you know, be better people? Sure. But more importantly, how can we grow closer to knowing who this God is uh, and actually having a relationship with him? Not focusing so much on what we should or should not do, but more about a true, real, and authentic relationship with a God who loves us just how we are and wants to come and heal our brokenness for us and not put that expectation on us. But until the next time that we get together, I'm Christian Rutherford, and this is Not Your Average Christian.